This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. Hi everyone, welcome into the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sallerson filling in for Sean Kelly. Hope this Monday finds you well. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope everyone stayed warm. It was cold here in the Big Easy. And I think it will warm up a little bit this week. Uh, but other than that, hope you all had a great and relaxing weekend. And uh, now it's time to turn our attention to some more Pelicans basketball and Saints football as the Pelicans squeaked out a victory last night in the Smoothie King Center over the Philadelphia 76ers, 131-124. to 124. Didn't look good after allowing 40 points in the third quarter, but then they score a season-high 44 points in the fourth, propelling them to a seven-point victory over the Sixers. To wrap up a roller coaster of a homestand, they go 2-2 two and two with wins against the Nuggets and the Sixers and losses against the Warriors and the Sacramento Kings. Now the Pelicans back in action tonight as they take on the Houston Rockets in Houston, the only home road back-to-back of the season. And it's a doozy as the Rockets have won nine straight, and they're 20-4 and four on the season. We'll hear from Joel Myers on that game tonight, and we'll get you ready for the week against the Bucks on Wednesday and the Nuggets on Friday. Last night, it was Rajon Rondo, 18 assists in the game, which is an NBA season high. And the last time a Pelicans player had 18 assists, was Brian Roberts back in 2013. Remember, Rajon Rondo sat out the game against the Kings on Friday in the loss. The team had just 19 assists total. It was impressive to see Rondo with 18 by himself last night. Six players in double figures, all five starters in double figures, so the ball movement was there. It was nice to see others step up in the win against the Sixers. On the Saints' side, they they were idle this week, and of course, after the Thursday night loss, to the Atlanta Falcons, but things just got interesting in the NFC. Unfortunately for the Eagles, Carson Wentz is out for the season with a torn ACL as the Eagles clinched a playoff berth yesterday in the win over the Rams and are still surviving at the number one spot right now, but I'm sure some teams might creep up on them as now it's Nick Foles' turn uh, to take over the reins as Carson Wentz is out for the season. We're going to kind of get an NFC playoff picture perspective with Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for ESPN.com. We'll get his final thoughts on Thursday's loss to the Falcons as uh, there's a big of a log jam up in the NFC South as the Panthers and the Saints both tied at 9-4. and four. Falcons not too far behind at 8-5. and five. And again, the NFC playoff picture wide open now. You had the Rams losing yesterday. You had the Vikings losing yesterday. You had the Eagles winning, Panthers winning, Seahawks losing. So there's six or seven teams right now that are within a few games of each other these last th- three weeks. Should be very interesting in the NFC. So we got a great show for you today. Of course, Joel Myers from uh, Fox Sports New Orleans. He and David Wesley will have the call from Houston tonight. We'll talk Pelicans with him. But up next, Mike Triplett of ESPN.com. We'll talk Saints and the NFL. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. 
The New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to do it big with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out six-pack presented by Loft 18. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets, four beers, and a $20 gift certificate to Loft 18, your ultimate indoor golfing experience, all for as low as $50. Do it big with the next Guys Night Out six-pack presented by Loft 18 on Wednesday, December 13th against the Milwaukee Bucks. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys Night Out today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Let's talk some NFL on this Monday. The Saints were idle over the weekend after their loss on Thursday night to the Falcons. But Mike Triplett from ESPN.com, who covers the Saints, joins me now to talk about Thursday's game a little bit and also the NFC playoff picture after this weekend. Hello, Mike. Good to talk to you. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I know fans are trying to move on from Thursday's loss to the Falcons, but I wanted to get your take on the game from a Saints perspective. Uh, what did you see in the loss to Atlanta? Oh, well, I mean, what a bummer, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, a bitter loss. Like, so many things that leave a bad taste in your mouth from the officiating, obviously, to the injuries, obviously, uh, to Drew Brees throwing that interception in a spot where, you know, you like to say that, they haven't needed Breeze much, but he's there in the clutch, and that's a disappointing way to end that game. So really one that you'd just like to, to you know, wash away and forget about it. And I think they would – I think they do have that opportunity. I mean, all they have to do is probably beat Atlanta at home in the rematch, and they're still probably going to be the NFC South champions. Um, but it, it, it kind of takes away any hopes of a one or a two seed unless uh, unless you get a lot of help now. And it would have just made things a lot more comfortable and provided a lot more momentum. But uh, I guess it was one more reminder that nothing comes easy. No, and uh, obviously Alvin Kamara left in the first drive after suffering a concussion. How much did the offense change when he was uh, off the field? Well, I mean, you can't say enough good things about what Alvin Kamara means to this team. Uh, obviously, though, they have a pretty good fallback option in, in Mark Ingram. So they're still able to run the ball. They're still able to throw to their running backs. Uh, it felt like they did better than 17 points on offense in this game, but uh, obviously stalled a couple of times and uh, we're dealing with the injuries on the offensive line as well. Uh, so there is no question that maybe they can scratch by for another week if needed against uh, a Jets team that has injury problems of its own. But uh, you definitely want to be at full strength by the time you face the Falcons again, and Alvin Kamara might be their offensive MVP this year, so you definitely want him back in time for Week 16. Mike, I feel like the discussion has gone all season long, uh, but as far as Thursday night football is concerned, is it really good for the game? Is it time to reconsider um, having two teams play each other on just three days rest? Yeah, you know, these safety tests, that they, or, you know, the injury statistics that they provide or that, that have been done are, are, are pretty inconclusive that, Thursday leaves players more injured, but I, I think there's just the eyeball test that the games are more sluggish, and obviously you believe the players when they say their bodies don't feel right. Uh, and I think I've been saying for so long, I think there's such a simple solution, which is just to keep Thursday night football. It's great for TV, but add in a second bye week for every team, and, and, and they all get a bye the week before they play Thursday night football. Uh, I think it's an easy solution. I think it extends the season to 18 weeks. You get more TV, you get more money. Like I just don't know how this is not a win-win-win solution for everyone involved. 
And I have to think as as players keep screaming about this and fans keep screaming about this, there'll, there'll be some momentum for change, but maybe it won't happen until the next CBA discussion. Uh, but players don't want to give it up either, I don't think, because Thursday Night Football brings a lot of money into the league. I just think there's a smarter way to do it. Is it as simple as taking away one of those preseason games? I think everyone talks about how there shouldn't be four preseason games anymore because most of them are meaningless, but is that something that that's the easy fix and taking the one preseason game away and adding that as a regular season week? Yeah, and I don't even think you have to do that. I mean, sure, I think but again, back if you do that, um, it could just be extending the week one more season, and another fringe benefit of that would be the Super Bowl gets played uh, on President's Day weekend, so a lot of people don't have to go to work after the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, I'm full of solutions here. Uh, those are all great solutions, and I think those need to be brought up. I think you need to be the head of that in uh, proposing that to the NFL, because I think that all sounds great, especially having the day off after the Super Bowl. That's something that I think everyone would enjoy, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, let's talk about the NFC playoff picture, which I think took a, a little bit of a turn yesterday, unfortunately, with the news of Carson Wentz being out, tearing his ACL in the win against the Rams. How does that change that dynamic of the NFC, knowing there's so many teams still fighting for not only the seedings, but playoff berths right yeah. now? Well, I think it's going to be hard for Philadelphia to implode enough, even without Carson Wentz, to not be a one or a two seed in the NFC since they pulled out that huge win against the Rams. But it makes them a little less intimidating if that's where the Saints have to go in either the you know divisional round or the NFC championship game. It, it, it feels like the NFC is more wide open now. I mean, the two teams that look like they're going to be the one and two seeds in the NFC right now have uh, – uh, Nick Foles and uh, uh, Case, Case Keenum. Keenum as their two quarterbacks. Um, but obviously there are two teams that are playing well and, and will definitely benefit from home field advantage. But I think it makes all the other teams, like the Saints and the Panthers and the Falcons and the Rams and the Seahawks, all have hope that if you get hot at the right time, there is no unbeatable team in this NFC playoff picture, just a lot of really good ones. Does having Drew Brees as your quarterback give you an advantage there heading into the postseason? You mentioned the quarterbacks with those two seeds right now in Case Keenum and, and uh, Nick Foles, but then you have Jared Goff, who's who's fairly young, and some of the other guys. Is uh, is Drew Brees having him yeah. at quarterback there a huge advantage just from his experience alone and having a Super Bowl win? No, I would think so, and and, and you know that 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 screams out that you know if you got to pick which quarterback out of all the playoff teams that you'd want heading into this postseason. I think a lot of people might pick Breeze. Um, although, you know, it, it does leave that salty taste, like I said, that, that he threw that interception against Atlanta because he throws that ball one foot higher or, you know, he checks that one down and, and comes back with a touchdown pass on another play. I think everybody's talking about how Drew Breeze is as clutch as ever with the comeback wins against Washington and Atlanta. Uh, uh, such a such a different storyline with uh, with the way one one throw or one possession goes, but uh, I, yeah, I still think you take the chances with Drew Brees in the playoffs. No doubt about that. Let's talk about the NFC South a little bit. Carolina wins. Atlanta obviously won on Thursday night. Do you see all three teams in the NFC South making it to the playoffs, or does one get left out? Well, one could get left out because right now the seventh seed is Seattle, um, and Seattle might end up winning the division if they beat the Rams. Uh, head-to-head this coming week. So I think you've got seven very good teams, and, and uh, um, it's a shame one of them can't uh, borrow a playoff berth from the uh, the AFC the way things are this year. It's, it's kind of like the NBA Western Conference uh, yep. for, for the last decade. But uh, um, so, 
they all got to keep winning to do it. Um, I could see them all winning, but I know at least, you know, there's another Atlanta Carolina game coming. There's another Atlanta Saints game coming. So uh, a couple of those teams are going to have to tack on some losses. I think, I think it's going to be real competitive with seven teams fighting for six spots. It will be fun down the stretch, that's for sure. One more question before I let you go. With three weeks to go for the Saints and a pre- pretty favorable schedule for them, uh, what's one thing that maybe they need to clean up before the playoffs start? Well, their health. Uh, yeah. You know, if they have a healthy Marshawn Lattimore and Ken Crawley and Marcus Williams in that secondary, I think this defense can get back to playing at the level it was during that eight-game win streak. Um and it looks like they're on pace to do that. And then, obviously, you want uh, health on the offensive line where they've had different injury issues with uh, with Armstead and Pete and Kelamete. And, and then, obviously, we talked about Alvin Kamara. But if healthy, I think that's what you like most about the Saints is how well-rounded they are. And the way they're running the ball, the way they're playing defense, and the way uh, that, you know, as we talked about Drew Brees being the third best thing about your team this year is a pretty good thing to have. But, Look, the game that's going to make or break the Saints' fortune, it, it, you know, is probably the home game against Atlanta, as long as they can take care of business against the Jets and Tampa Bay as well. And you know what Julio Jones presents, you know what Matt Ryan presents. So the health of that secondary is, is the most important thing for this team. And I'm sure we're going to see an angry Saints team when they play the Falcons in a couple of weeks, that's for sure. Yeah. That's Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for ESPN and ESPN.com. Mike, as always, we appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right, my pleasure, man. Up next, we'll uh, switch over to basketball and hear from Joel Myers. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Boom! Now Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. This Pelican season, the entire family can do it big with the Pierre's Party Pack presented by Cheetos Popcorn. Pelican ticket packages are available for select home games and include three or more tickets, combo meals, Cheetos Popcorn, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $54. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is December 29th against the Dallas Mavericks. For more information and to plan your next big night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. The Pelicans are back on the hardwood tonight as they meet up with the Houston Rockets. Joining me now from Houston is the television voice of the Pelicans, Mr. Joel Myers. Good morning, Joel. Good morning, and it is a good morning after a W last night. Desperately needed W last night. Absolutely. A big win and a big fourth quarter for the Pelicans last night against the Sixers. What did you see uh, last night in the game? I know it was... Pretty lethargic from quarters one and three, but man, if, if the offense plays like they did in the fourth quarter, you could see a lot more wins coming from the Pelicans, don't you think? Yeah, but it was kind of typical of what we've seen over the first 27 games with a team that's a game over 500. Wildly inconsistent swings, and especially at the defensive end of the floor. Offensively, Daniel, they'll be fine. And, and right now, through 27 games, they're, they're seventh in, in offensive efficiency. But they've got to pick it up, A, defensively, where they're ranked 21st right now. They've got to pick it up on the glass, 
and that was apparent last night when they were on board it dramatically, and especially at the offensive end. Now you can't give up 22 offensive rebounds. And you know going in that, that Trevor Booker and Rashawn Holmes, they're activity guys. They're put-back guys, and you got to find them and locate them and put a body on them. So that was the, the disappointing aspect of last night's game. It's great to get the W, but the wild swings where you give up 40 in the third, and then you get 44 of your own in the fourth, fortunately, because let's face it, a couple of guys were really hot, like Drew, and, and Rajon Rondo was playing at a high level last night. So they've got to get more consistent uh, pace. It's an entertaining team. From an offensive standpoint, there's no question about that. They're they're sixth in pace right now. So if they can get better at the defensive end of the floor, we could have very good times over over the remainder of the season. I'm glad he brought up how this team has fared over the first 27 games as they are one game over 500. Is this where you thought they might be around the quarter of the way point, or did you expect a little more, a little less? How, how, what have you seen from them through these 27 games? I thought they'd be a little bit better at home. And that's the key to, to get to close to 30 wins at home. Uh, they're they're surprising that they're better on the road than I, I anticipated this early. But they've, they're the fourth oldest team in the NBA. They shouldn't be inundated with road games. These guys shouldn't be overwhelmed. So Rondo should have had a lot to do with that. I think Ian Clark is a real good addition as well as a stabilizer, a, a young vet who's 26, 27 years old and has already won a ring and been through some good battles with the Warriors over the last couple of years. So I am surprised they're not better at home, and they've had disappointments at home. Uh, but I am pleasantly surprised with the developments on the road. Uh, but as I said, they're a veteran squad, so a little bit over 500. If they can play 500 ball on the road and get a lot better at home, then you're looking at a playoff team in the West. You mentioned how they've been playing at home, and this week at home they were 2-2 two and two with wins over the Nuggets and the Sixers, but losses to the Kings and the Warriors. How would you assess the homestand? Well, it's kind of like the season so far. Uh, expect the unexpected. <laughs> so yeah. you're up by nine with about four to play, and then you become lackadaisical again. They're too cavalier, casual with the basketball, make mistakes at that, that end of the floor offensively. So they've got to clean it up. Uh, the, the turnover percentage is up there in the in the 20s out of the 30 teams in the league. That's unacceptable. You've got too many good guards. Now, Rondo's going to be on the floor. So with Rajon playing at a high level like he did last night, maybe they can improve on that. Uh, he was really strong. 18 assists, only three turnovers. I think he'll take six to one every day. So hopefully that is cleaned up. If They've got to clean up the – and I bring up the word inconsistent. Mm -hmm. At that end of the floor, it's okay if you miss. Just don't give the ball away. And if it's a turnover, hopefully it's a dead ball turnover, not a live ball out front, live ball turnover that's automatically easy points going the other way. So uh, you could see the, the development of Rajon Andrew. And then when Drew gets the, the opportunity on a catch-and-shoot, and, and he did a couple of times last night, a lot of it he created on his own, though. Give Drew credit. Because Drew had 19 of his 34 in the fourth quarter, and, and he was a, a godsend last night in the fourth quarter. So uh, it can only get better as those two develop and stay on the floor together. And then uh, with Jameer, Andy, and there's nice depth in the backcourt, and hopefully Tony Allen's okay as well, because uh, I saw some numbers on Tony points per possession when he's on in the pick and roll in particular and he's exceptional 
and, and incredible numbers. In fact, I talked to Brett Brown last night about some things of the, the 76ers coach when it came to some numbers. And it's like Ben Simmons, points per possession and how good he has been. And we saw if he develops the jump shot. And I know you're not talking about the Sixers, but he's going to be a beast. Uh, that was our first look at the former LSU Tiger. He's he's hard to believe at 6'10". So. But the Pels clean things up. You, you can get to the postseason this year in the West with 45-plus wins because the West is down this year. So the Pels have to capitalize. No doubt about that. I want to focus on Rajon Rondo. As you mentioned, him his 18 assists last night in the win against Philly. When he was out on Friday against Sacramento Kings, the team had just 19 total assists in the loss. How much better has the offense been with Rondo on the floor? Not just to help for Drew Holiday, but it seems like everyone is better when Rondo's on the floor. Well, the ball moves. The pace is up. The ball moves. It doesn't stop. Uh, when he's not on the floor, it tends to stop. So, And we saw that. And we couldn't believe there was only 19 assists, considering it was a 53-minute game mm-hmm. on Friday night. Uh, but who's counting minutes, right? Right. So that it was good to see him back. It's a different mentality completely with him on the floor. And when he's withdrew and the ball's moving like that, then everybody's better. And you look at what the Pelicans have done over the last 17 games, and it's a perfect example because overall they're not there with three-point percentage, but over the last 17 games, they're at 40%, which is one of the best totals in the NBA, top two or three. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but that's how much he means. He's come back because you got to remember, what did he miss the first 13? Yeah. So uh, the last 17, they are a different team. Darius Miller's been good. All, all the guys' shooting percentages are up. So it's good to see that consistency when he is on the floor and then the spacing is much better as well. You're going to need some consistency this week, that's for sure, as the Pelicans take on the Rockets tonight. Then you're at home for one against the Bucks, and then you get back on the road and take on the Nuggets on Friday. Uh, tough week, Joel, for the Pelicans, don't you think? Extreme. And it starts with the pick and roll. And they're going to probably try to get DeMarcus in the pick and roll a lot tonight with Harden and Capella out front. So that's the first test. And then Milwaukee on Wednesday night, they're a different team completely with uh, Eric Bledsoe. And they've got a, their winning record, uh, the percentage now with Bledsoe and the way they're playing with Bledsoe. Because now they have three scores with Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, and 22-year-old Giannis Adetokounmpo. So they have a big three plus Jabari Parker after the All-Star break. And I don't know what they're going to do in that situation because he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. And I don't know if they can afford him. But they are going to be a severe test as well. And then you owe the Nuggets. He definitely owe the Nuggets. So let's see what happens this week. It's, uh, the Pelicans right now, when you look at uh, the record of the teams and the winning percentage of the teams, Pelicans have had a very difficult schedule. It should get better, as you bring up, after the first of the year. Uh, but this is a test this week. And as I said, you've got to get well at home. So right now, just right around 500 at home. But you've got to get better. And even though it's a, it's a good team, Adetta Kumbo in Milwaukee, that you pencil in, you've got to get that win because you're facing a team tonight that's 20 and 4. And they're hard to believe on the road. Houston's got a better road record than home record, but they've had a top heavy road schedule. If I'm not mistaken, they're 12 and 1 mm-hmm. on the road this year, just 8 and 3. Yes, 8 and 3 at home. So 
the test is going to be interesting, and it's two different types of teams, even three, because Denver is going to get up and down the floor. And let's face it, Pels didn't see Jokic last game against Denver. So, yeah, it's a monster week. There's no question. No doubt. And let's talk about tonight. You touched on it a little bit in our last question there, but the Rockets have won nine in a row, uh, second most points in the NBA. Uh, what are some of the keys tonight for the Pelicans to maybe steal one on the road tonight? Well, look at the points uh, and what Houston's been able to do offensively and the way they're scoring. Uh, try to minimize the free throw attempts for James Harden. Um, have a plan on the pick and roll because there were last night and Alvin was upset and you saw it. There were breakdowns defensively where there was a lack of communication. So call out what your coverage is going to be in the pick and roll and the assignments. So the communication at the defensive end is going to be the key going into the game tonight and avoiding 20 free throw attempts for James, James Harden. It'll be interesting to see how the game's officiated as well. And that's always a guessing game going in, but you, you read that and you react accordingly after the first few minutes of the game as we see how it goes with the three on the floor. And I'm talking about the three officials. So just communicate. You know they're going to score points, but communicate it and make it as difficult as possible at the defensive end of the floor. And then locate guys. Make sure that you locate a guy. It's a novel approach to put a body on a body and back a guy out. But you can't afford to give up 22 offensive rebounds. Pelican last night, had 28 defensive rebounds, 33 overall, and your opponent had 22 offensive rebounds. That's unacceptable. Just can't happen. Nope, can't happen tonight, that's for sure, against a really good Rockets team. That's Joel Myers, television voice of your New Orleans Pelicans. He and David Wesley will have the call on Fox Sports New Orleans with coverage starting at 6.30. Joel, thanks for the time, and have a great call tonight. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me, Dan. All right, now we'll do it for today's show. Big thanks to Mike Triplett and Joel Myers for coming on. Again, Pelicans and Rockets tonight, 7 o'clock from the Toyota Center. Sean Kelly and Victor Howell will have the call on the radio. News Talk 99.5 WRNO and the Pelicans Radio Network. And, of course, Joel and David will have the call on Fox Sports New Orleans with coverage as well starting at 6.30 on Wednesday. We'll be previewing Pelicans and Bucks, hopefully recapping a Pelicans win over the Rockets. And we'll begin our coverage of Saints and Jets. Those two teams will play at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on Sunday afternoon. Well, that'll do it for today's show. And until Wednesday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.